Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E-Dub, in the house. So we listening to Hear the Spirit. Presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spirit. Go nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spirit. Presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Dion Primetime Sanders. Great Dion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. This is Jacoby McDaniel. You're listening to Hear the Spirit presented by No Game Day. Who knows, baby? James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and Go Knows. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening guys? This is Logan from Hear the Spirit presented by Null Game Day. Happy 2019. We are glad to be back to give you guys some more coverage of Florida State Athletics. Uh, as you guys know, we have a huge interview coming up later in this podcast. Stay tuned for that. We're very grateful for him to come on and con- congratulations to him again for uh, getting his induction into the College Football Hall of Fame. But let's get into what's happening now before we get to the interview. Uh, we have got a lot, a lot to talk about, a lot to go back and converse between all of us. Today we have Dustin Lewis with us, our lead writer and also our lead graphic designer. We brought one of the nerds out from the keyboard um, and with uh, Fisher Adkins. So uh, good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Ready to talk about some breaking news and FSU athletics and also talk to one of the greatest defensive players ever come through the school. Yeah. Um, thanks. Thanks. Thank you to y'all for having me on. I'm excited to be on and talk, talk about some Florida State football. And like Dustin said, I'm excited to talk to T-Buck, one of the greatest to ever do at Florida State. One thing I do want to mention, I feel bad. I did not uh, cater us with McDonald's this morning. I'm very sorry about that. Um, and hey, Whataburger stirs breakfast until 11, so... I got a little bit of time. time. I think this is the first time we've recorded in the morning, so it's a little odd for us right now. College kids <laughs> waking up like this, having to talk to a microphone. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> I still have one more hour to get to Chick-fil-A before the breakfast ends, so... We'll make sure to hurry oh, this yeah, up Oh, yeah, running on that as long as, we, time, as, long as, we can, as long as we can wrap this up. Yeah, as, long, as long as you can get your makeup on before then in the car, right? Yeah, right. It's right. all right. Well, all right, so we are going to go jump straight into now the top uh, topic of the week. I think this story is still got a lot going on with it. Uh, but uh, per Brandon Sinone over at 247 Sports, they reported yesterday on Wednesday that James Blackman, quarterback James Blackman, has entered or is planning on entering the transfer portal uh, this scene, I feel like the transfer portal's more exciting than National Signing Day or even like free agency in NFL. <laughs> like this is phenomenal. <laughs> uh, but uh, what, what's your uh, thoughts, Dustin, on this? I mean, this switches a lot up moving into 2019 for Florida State as of pretty much right now. It seems like eligibility for a quarterback is just going to stick with DeAndre Francois going into 2019 for Willie Taggart. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at the current depth chart, if if Blackman does decide to leave the school, 
your your starter is going to be DeAndre Francois. Your backup's going to be DeAndre Francois, and then the third guy you bring off the bench, it's going to be DeAndre Francois. What about so, Cam Akers? I mean, Florida State, <laughs> Florida State is going to have to do something because you know when a game, if they do blow out some teams next year, I don't think you can keep DeAndre Francois in there in a thirty a thirty point blowout like. You got to put in Cam McDonald. I could see Acres getting some more snaps next year and, and sort of like a wildcat thing, just to kind of give Francois like a break every now and then because it sounds like, you know, he's going to be the workhorse again. Yeah, I wonder. Do you think Willie Taggart talked with Blackman and just pretty much said it's we're going to stick with DeAndre Francois and that's why Blackman's transferring? That's what I would think. Why Blackman would have the choice to do this? All right, so from what I've heard, Florida State was pursuing a transfer quarterback. The staff was uh, interested in this quarterback, and they they kind of texted this this player, kind of shooting down the notion that that James Blackman could take over as the quarterback and mm. maybe talked a little bit of smack about him. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just kind of what I've heard, but I could see how that would make a player. You know, uncomfortable at their current school if if their coaches are kind of down downplaying their abilities. Yeah, because it it doesn't seem like James Blackman to want the transfer. He's a a big knoll, the biggest leader on Florida State's team, and that's another big thing hitting here. Florida State would lose by far their biggest leader. I've heard all inside that, heard from numerous people that not only on the field, but off the field, James Blackman is a, a phenomenal teammate, very supportive, um, and losing a guy like that is huge. Definitely a quarterback that does have some talent, too. It just makes it that much that much uh, more important for Florida State to land at least one more quarterback bef- uh, like before National Signing Day. Now, see, Fisher, you're a supporter of DeAndre Francois. Yeah, you know, um, I'm, I've always been a 12 fan, not necessarily because not always to play on the field, but being a graphic designer, man, he takes he takes great photos. Um, Here, a lot we of fun to Here we go. Here we go. Here comes the nerd. <laughs> no, but, crap. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I got to agree with you, Dustin. Um, I think losing James Blackman will be the biggest loss of the offseason if it were to happen, uh, not only yeah. just because um, – you know, obviously, depth purposes. Um, a lot of people expected him to, you know, be the starter next year. But also, you lose a leader uh, on the sideline in the locker room, a guy who really was committed to to lifting up his teammates. Um, you know, even when it was to the detriment of him. Um, so I think you're you're really losing uh, big time if you do um, somehow lose James Blackman. However, I think from the flip side of things, I think you can you can see. I don't think you can blame James Blackman if he were to leave. I don't. I don't really mm-hmm. think that anyone would blame him. Um, you know, last year just was such a difficult time. He stepped in for the Louisville game and no, what was, NC State, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he was ACC Player of the Week after one start, and uh, you know, obviously shows you that he has a lot of ability and a lot of potential. And um, you know, maybe it's just evident that the coaches, the Willie Taggart, um, the coaching staff there, just aren't, aren't giving him enough chances so you know you can't blame the guy uh obviously this story's not over um mm-hmm. no one's really sh- no one's really sure what's going on so you know we'll, we'll wait and see what happens um but if you were to leave you're, you're definitely gonna have to bring in in my opinion another at least another two quarterbacks in this class 
and that's a that's another topic I'm sure we'll be talking about next week on the podcast. Like I said, this story I don't think is anywhere close to being over, um, and we'll make sure to uh, cover that next week. It's it's very probably one of the most entertaining off seasons to start off with. I mean, we're what, and there wasn't a bowl game for FSU. So we're used to having games in December, but it's been absolute insanity all over the place. So we'll keep an, keep y'all updated with what's going on inside there for James Blackman if he is in the transfer portal and all, all this kind of stuff. So, But moving on, there's also two other scholarship players that intend on being in the transfer portal. Uh, tight end Nassir Upshur and wide receiver George Campbell. Uh, there's Upshur had a... A little bit of playing time last year, not a phenomenal amount of it. Uh, and then George Campbell has been dealing with health problems throughout his whole college career at Florida State. Uh, George Campbell is a stud wide receiver coming in. Uh, very quick, one of the fastest uh, guys coming in at Florida State. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Dustin, with these two guys intending on um, entering the transfer portal? I mean, I would say it's, you know, it, it's kind of expected. I mean... When you're when you're a major college football team, there's going to be attrition every off season, whether it's because of competition on the field, or you know trouble off of it, or even like health, like George Campbell. I mean, I really think it's it's health reasons for him, so that he can go somewhere and finally produce. But um, to bring in the the recruiting class that Florida State wants to bring in, which I believe is like twenty twenty six players or so. I th- uh, it's like six to eight current players on the roster are going to have to be processed, basically. So mm-hmm. this is just the first step and even more guys probably transferring. Yeah, it, it expected not a killer to Florida State's offense whatsoever. Florida State has some pretty good depth at wide receiver, a lot of talent. Uh, tight end wise, of course, leading guy as it should be is Trey McKitty, uh, and I think Florida State will be, they'll be all right. And it's kind of expected though. Uh, but let's get let's get over to the big one. Florida State released its 2019 schedule yesterday. Uh, it seems like the ACC kind of helped them out a little bit here, um, as we know Florida State is going to open the season with Boise State. And Duval and Jacksonville, uh, and then they move over to ULM, and then they'll go over to Virginia on September 14th. They'll play Louisville on the 21st, and then a good old NC State game at home on the 28th. And then they'll have a they'll have a bye, which is always helpful um, leading into the Clemson game. Are you all a fan of having bye uh, like bye weeks before big games like that, or do you like to have them? have a game like be a regular game and then you play the big game you know you don't have any breaks before that i don't think it can hurt i mean you know you're looking at getting that first bye week after you play play five games four of them coming at home so i mean the workload isn't going to be you know too bad for for florida state at that point but then then you got to travel to clemson and I, and I think the bye week for one you get those two weeks to prepare for probably the the biggest opponent on your schedule and um, yeah, you just get there's a lot more opportunity to to look at their their systems and and adjust to how they play than if you just go through it with one week. What 
What's your score prediction right now for Clemson game? <laughs> In Death yeah, actually, Valley. <laughs> In Death Valley. I think it's going to be close. I think it'll be really close. Nail biter at the end. Fisher, you want to I don't think it'll. It, it won't be uh, <laughs> as bad as it was a year ago. Oh wow! Wow. Um, man, uh, it's 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 really hard to say. Close, I I, I definitely I'm a fan of the bye week beforehand. Um, Florida State has a relatively easy road leading up to that game. I think your first your first four games, um, I think you could win each of those four. I think NC State will obviously be a little a little bit tougher. Um. But I'm a big fan of the bye week. I think it, especially there might be some depth issues. And so getting healthy before Clemson um, is, a, is a positive thing. However, I don't think it's going to matter at all. Um, I think Clemson uh, will once again have their way with Florida State. Uh, it's, it's hard to say, but Trevor Lawrence is, is the real deal. And um, there's, there's really no catching them right now. So I don't think you'll see, hopefully you won't see a 52-7 to blowout. Um, but I don't think it'll be close. They'll definitely be facing a Heisman probably favorite going into that game with Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, and I just want to say, keep that NC State game uh, kind of penciled in on your calendars because old friend Bailey Hawkman might be their starting quarterback next season. Yeah, yeah. Making his return to Tallahassee. It's a good note yeah. to keep in mind. That should be something fun to cover. Uh, so after that, seven days later, they will face Wake Forest, another away game, back-to-back away games, and then they will face the good old Oranges at home against Syracuse on October 26th. That'll be Florida State's homecoming game. That's a homecoming game. Florida State lost to Syracuse last year. Uh, so Florida State's going to try to look for revenge there. Uh, then they'll face the Miami Hurricanes on November 2nd at home. Another hopeful revenge game for them. Two straight losses to the Hurricanes. And then they'll go to Boston College, which always seems to be an interesting game. It seems like Boston College is always able to uh, fit against Florida State's physical side of things. Boston College has always been very, very physical. So that will be another game I'm sure we'll keep some good notes on going forward. And then Florida State is going to face Alabama. State on the 16th of <laughs> November. Heart attacks. Don't want people to have heart attacks. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they'll face Alabama State before, they, of course, they go over to Gainesville to face the Florida Gators, who Florida State lost to last year. And uh, a, a bye before the Gators as well. Yep, that is true. Yep, worth noting. So yeah. before two, probably of the, in my opinion, the biggest games, Clemson and Florida, which is a huge, huge help for Florida State. So after looking at that schedule, guys, what do you, uh, as a early ridiculous preseason prediction, where do you see Florida State getting wins at? If you want to go from the top of the line down to the bottom here, you can start off first, Dustin. I really think that Florida State can can start off very well early in their schedule. Um, I think they'll beat Boise State. I think they'll beat ULM. Going on the road to Virginia, I think I can see Florida State losing a close one. They come home, beat Louisville, beat NC State in a close one before losing to Clemson. So that first half of the schedule, you're looking at a 4-2 and record. 
<clears throat> following that, you go to Wake Forest. I think Florida State pulls that out. And then they split the games with Syracuse and Miami that are both in Tallahassee. Um, they go to BC, win, beat Alabama State, and then they, they end the season by losing to Florida. So I really do think 8-4 and four is, is very viable with the decrease in strength of schedule this year. Yeah, definitely the quarterback situation, too. If Blackman is gone, that's not not a terrible record. What do you think, Fisher? Yeah, um, I could see 8-4. and four. Right now, I think this team is, is two wins better than last year, so 7-5. and five. Um, however, you know, if you can see a significant, um, boost from the O-line, which shouldn't be hard considering they were the, the worst in the country. Um, so it's not hard to conceive that they will be better. How much better? We don't know. Um, so that, that depends on a lot, but I, I think right now I'm I'm comfortable at seven and five. So Mm -hmm. I went over Boise state, I went over ULM, um, Virginia, Man, yeah, it's a toss-up, and I feel like it's if it's if it's a toss-up, especially on the road, I got to go loss. Um, mm-hmm. Louisville, Louisville, give me a win. That program's kind of a train wreck right now. Um, NC State, I feel comfortable with a win. I think Ryan Finley's gone, so looks like you'll see Bailey Hockman. Um, curious to see how well he'll do. I think I, th- I think he'll I think he's a good fit at NC State. However, I think Florida State can get the win there. Um, I don't even really think I need to say much about Clemson. Um, it is what it is there. Uh, that's a lot. Wake Forest, give me a win. Uh, Syracuse, my math may not add up right as I'm going through these. Um, <laughs> Syracuse, we'll see. I, I think that's a, a game similar to the Boston College game last year where you get blown out the year before and maybe you have a chip on your shoulder coming into that game and it's homecoming. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Um, Miami. You are six and, you are six and two right now. I'm six and two. <laughs> so <laughs> let's see Miami that's at home I, I ooh maybe I need to to tether back <laughs> yeah, just a tad <laughs> just a tad alright give me a loss to loss to Virginia a loss to NC State um mm. on family uh, weekend man <laughs> not on family weekend <laughs> <laughs> In front of the parents, man. Um, Miami, uh, that's – I don't know about Miami, man. It'll be interesting to see what Manny Diaz can do in a, in a short period of time. Obviously, that, that program's in trouble right now um, with, with recruiting. They got a lot of ground to make up and, and really not a whole lot of time to do it. So um, it may not affect them as much next year, but definitely in the next couple of years, that program um, is going to be struggling, I believe. Um so I feel comfortable with a win over Miami. Um, Boston College, we're going to lose to Boston College. Um, mm. Alabama State, Just... give me Florida State and a nail-biter. Um, okay. Sanford, Florida and... State all over again? <laughs> I I think so, yeah, maybe. Um, and then Florida, I don't see us beating Florida in Gainesville. I think Dan Mullen uh, is, is one of the best play callers. Uh, in the SEC, if not the entire country, um, he's got the he's got that team rolling, and what he's able to do with um, Felipe Franks this past year was pretty impressive. And he's he's shown he can do it at multiple spots now, and I think I think he's going to have success in Florida for the next few years. So I, I don't see Florida State um, beating Florida. All right, let's get to the best part of the podcast, guys. We brought on College Football Hall of Famer Terrell Buckley with us. 
uh, NFL stud, Florida State legend. He came on to talk about his current gig at Mississippi State right now as a DB coach. And also he talked a little bit about his uh, past experiences with Bobby Bowden and his former teammates and a little bit about his relationship now with Willie Taggart. So let's go ahead and get to that interview right now. Down from the 35-yard line, Gerback looks to his right, fires the pass. It's picked off, intercepted by Terrell Buckley to the 20, to the 10. Buckley, touchdown Florida State. Great read by Buckley. Oh, my goodness, Terrell Buckley ignites the Seminole bench. It is a 6-0 ball game. And lo and behold, he stood up, three-step, laid it out there. Terrell Buckley inside all right guys we've been waiting for uh, this interview for a little while now we're very grateful to have a hall of famer on with us tonight uh, mr t buck or better known as uh, terrell buckley probably one of the two welcome hey thank you guys for having me i'm doing pretty good out here doing what uh Hall of Famers do when you coach it, recruit. I'm on the road. <laughs> yes, sir. You were. I mean, your all-time leader in interceptions, 21 at Florida State. You won the Jim Thorpe Award in 1991, the Jack Tatum Trophy for the uh, top defensive back in the country. Uh, some two prestigious awards uh, in college football. Yeah. And then you had to win a Super Bowl championship with the Patriots. I'm a Steelers fan, but you had to go ahead and win yeah. that Super Bowl with them. I'm not a fan of that, but <laughs> I got to let you and have And we beat y'all to get to the Super Bowl. We beat the Steelers to get to the Super Bowl. Don't forget that. I, I knew you were going to bring that up. I knew you were going to bring that up because I got, I got it in the yeah. notes. I got it in the notes already. Don't worry. I was going to bring it up. In 2001, the AFC Championship game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you had an interception. Yeah. And I had a pick in that game. I had an interception in that game. Who, <laughs> Sir. Who, who could remember? <laughs> Who can remember all that, though? I mean, where did that come from? (laughs) I did not write that down in the notes. That was one of our – that was definitely Dustin who wanted to make sure he got that in there so he could tick me off. Okay, okay. (laughs) And then he won a Super Bowl ring two weeks later, of course, uh, with the win over the St. Louis Rams. Uh, But I want to just get started with asking, how's your offseason treating you? How's it going? I know you're talking about recruiting and you're on the trail and whatnot, so how's that going? It's recruiting. We're on the – just a lot of miles, getting to schools, cultivating relationships, uh, trying to sell our product, which I think uh, we're, we're, we're trying to become this national uh, image and logo and let them know that we're knocking on the door to, to get in them playoffs. I think there was a, a step closer this year. We need to finish off uh, some games to get in there and get rolling. So it, it's going well. I have a quick question, though. I mean, we talked about your offseason. Yeah. It's been pretty boring, though. I mean, being an inductee in the College Football Hall of Fame, it's got to be pretty, pretty – <laughs> I'm joking with you. How How was the news? How did you get it? Uh, just tell me about that day when you got the news. Oh, man, it's been exciting. The The, the day was kind of – it was crazy. You know, I get a lot of fan mail, and so they sent it. They did not call. They sent a ball in a box. And and what I normally do is get it, and I have other fan mail. I try to go through it. It usually takes me about a week. So I end up going to uh, Georgia. We had a little break. And going through the box uh, at the house, a girlfriend and I, and she's taking out the ball 
and I see the the college football the the logo on the side, and I'm like, wow, whoa, you know, all these emotions. You know how you see the commercial, the guy talking about, wow, whoa, what's going on? Is that really gonna happen? Are you kidding me? All those emotions and words I was just saying out loud, and then finally the ball was surfaced, and I can see the top congratulations you've made it and i'm like wow man this is this is a special moment special day and i'm forever grateful it's got to be one of the best moments of your life by far it is up there it is up there all the hard work uh something that you you know i never played this game for that i played hard tried to earn the respect of the offense defense alignment my teammates my peers and to get this at the end uh, is a, a testimony to hard work, believing in your teammates, believing in the coaches, and you, you can get this reward at the end. And I, I would have to say this, again, without the teammates, without my coaches, without the little league, the high school coaches, this could, would have never happened. So I'm, I'm, this is not all about me and what I did. I think I have to... And people have to realize it, it, like you said, it takes a village to raise a, a young man, and that's what happened. Yeah, and Coach, uh, this is Dustin here. I just wanted to ask, uh, right. what's your time at Mississippi State been like as the cornerbacks coach, especially this past season when uh, your defense was number one in the country? Oh, man, you just said it, number one in the country. <laughs> Imagine how that's been. It's been awesome, man. The guys, you know, recruiting and developing the young players, I have a, a young man that just got invited to the Senior Bowl, Jamal Peters, that my first year there was a safety wide receiver nickelback that they was didn't really believe in. And then he moves to the corner, and two and a half years later, the development, the understanding and the knowledge of the game that him and I have worked together on, mm-hmm. those are the type of stories and, and the stuff that I really, really appreciate. And, and being a part of a special, special defense, probably the best defense in Mississippi State history, is is amazing. This is the great part about it. Next year, the goal is to even be better. Let's go. That, that That's what the challenge and the excitement is about, is can we be, can we be better? Can we be better? And that's what uh, – we've been discussing with the guys uh, that's coming back and the guys we're recruiting. We want to go down like the 85 Bears. I think next year <laughs> we have a chance to be mentioned like the 85 Bears. That's Coach a challenge Buckley. now. <laughs> Coach Buckley, this is this is Fisher, and when we've talked a little bit. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a student here at Mississippi State. I work in athletics yeah. here. I work for the women's basketball team. So to hear you say that right now, it gets me fired up. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a pleasure. That's right. It was a pleasure to watch y'all all season long. Um, you know, I was in Tampa for the Outback Bowl. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's clear that you have a, a love for coaching and, and really a passion for coaching and developing players. Um, do you see yourself using uh, just a little bit of maybe what you learned uh, from Coach Bowden at your time at FSU um, and kind of translating that to how you coach now? Uh, Coach Bowden is the ultimate gentleman, the op- op- 
ultimate man, the ultimate Christian. So obviously just how he operates is a part of what I do. His leadership skills, his desire is, yes, I use that along with Coach Andrews, who I right, dealt with. Right, right, right. I, I use both of those men, what they taught us and how they developed and got the most out of guys on and off the field and some spirituality, I have incorporated all that into what what I want to do. So, yes, without a doubt, they have influenced me to the utmost. I have a quick <clears throat> little question here to you also, T-Buck. Uh, you know your former teammate Odell Higgins took the interim role as a head coach uh, for Florida yeah. State. And he went two and zero, best record as a head coach at FSU. How how'd that feel? You know, get him getting that opportunity. I know y'all were probably close back in your days, and probably still are knowing him and you. Um, but just how how did you feel for him to get that opportunity? That was huge for him, and also Florida State as a whole. You know, he's two and zero, man. That uh, he, he he should have put his name in the hat to be the head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, he's two and zero. That's hard to beat, right? Yeah. Uh, but what I tell Odell is that the reason he was an All-American in 1989 was because of me. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. He was. And, of course, he, he, he wanted to choke me when I say that. But yeah. you're talking about uh, one of the best players in, in Florida State history, one of the best guys, the best person, uh, the best people. I mean, what whatever you want to say, that's Odell Higgins. And I'm honored and grateful that I had a chance to play with him and now to learn from him, for him to be a mentor in this coaching ranks and in life. Uh, I just have the utmost respect for him, and I appreciate everything he's done and is doing. So I have another question for you. But before I do that, uh, I got a couple of clips I just want to play for you. So okay. just listen to these, and then I'll ask you a question. The Knowles roughed the putter the last time Hawkins set the kick. Higgins pushing him back, and on fourth and 21, following sack number six, knocking, here they come again. He just did get that off. Buckley called for the fair catch. No, he did not. He feigned everybody. There he goes. Goodbye. What a fake by Buckley. Oh, my. He did not call for the fair catch and returns it 69 yards. He just stopped as if he did. And down from the 35-yard line, Gerback looks to his right, fires the pass. It's picked off, intercepted by Terrell Buckley to the 20, to the 10. Buckley, touchdown Florida State. Great read by Buckley. Oh, my goodness, Terrell Buckley ignites the Seminole bench. It is a 6-0 ball game. Coach Buckley, uh, fortunately, I was not alive. Both of them. I got him. Any <laughs> <laughs> goosebumps after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was not actually alive when both of those plays took place. Um, but my dad, is, he's a lifelong FSU fan, and, and I grew up you know, hearing stories about those two plays, one of the most, two of the most iconic plays in Florida State football history. Um, so I was just wondering if you could just walk us through both of those plays um, kind of, you know, what what was the mindset? Uh, how did you feel? What was your reaction? Wow, that's memory lane. That that you talking about a 
uh, 18-year-old freshman and a 20-year-old junior. So you're talking about uh, a two-year span there. The first one I had did in high school. And oh, really? Was waiting, was waiting on opportunity to get it done in, in college. And it had to happen that freshman year because after a while you forget about what you actually did in high school. Right. But the, the theme, the, how that came about was I couldn't turn the corner. You know, I had punted a couple of times, and, and I knew if I could get the corner, I had a shot for a big play. I didn't know it was going to be a touchdown, but I had a shot. And the only way I could get them to slow down where I could get to the wide side and cut up was to, to break out what I had did in high school. That's right. how that came about, and thank goodness it worked out. <laughs> so, so that was so yeah, was okay. That's that's incredible. So, what uh, what did did Coach Bowden know that that you kind of had that up your sleeve? What was his reaction? No, nobody knew that. That was one of those that <laughs> uh, you you watch. Uh, it's hard to change if you watch, but I was thirty yards in high school, and I had to get creative because they used to punt it high sideways they used to do all type of things and i love to, to run with the ball so going wide holding the ball uh bursting up you know i had to create all those things to stay into the game that's right. where that came from the the michigan it just brings back the the battle with Bearsman, michigan the big house mm-hmm. and the actual place was a normal three-step read that we did every week. Those Andrews, that, that was part of our everyday fundamental drills. So I was off, Burbeck pops out, one, two, three, I go from the quarterback, locate the receiver. He's sitting down, his hips are starting to sink, drive to the upfield shoulder, two steps, one, two, make sure he's not running a double move, now find the ball. Find the ball, catch the ball, go score. And, <laughs> and then, not just, you had to top it off with a little bit of swag at the end there, too. Yeah, a little bit of that, dump in the stands. I tell <laughs> Leroy Butler, that's the Lambo Leap. Then give him a Lambo Leap. Jump in the stands and have a good time. That's kind of where all that stuff come from. That's right. That, that was exciting memories, exciting times. Uh, great time to be a old, you know? That's Florida State football, and and for the listeners who who weren't aware, we're referring to uh, the 69-yard fake fair catch punt return against Syracuse in 1989, and the 40-yard interception return against Michigan on the second offensive play in 1991. And you yeah. had the you had the Lambo leap already warmed up for you to get drafted by them, <laughs> round one, pick number five in 1992. So you were, you were already warmed up with the Lambo leap. <laughs> I already want had the Green Bay Packers gloves on everything, so I, I they just took it from Ann Arbor and took it on over to Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, they knew what they were doing. They know who they wanted. I think I think it worked out pretty yeah. well for them. I think it did. Yeah, it did. It, it was a true <laughs> blessing. Uh, it, it was good. It was very good. Yeah, and coach, uh, still speaking on your time at Florida State, who who are some of the guys that you still stay in close contact with to this day? Uh, coach, Florida State is a family. I would say everybody. <laughs> Uh, spoke to Casey Weldon uh, 
two weeks ago. You know, you see guys, uh, Peter Ward. Uh, I used to hang with Ward done before I got into coaching. Uh, Lawrence Dawsey came by, spent some time with him in Tampa. Obviously, Odell. Uh, John Davis, a.k.a. Gator, out of Orlando. I mean, you, I can go down all the list. Uh, Reggie Freeman, a.k.a. Big Fine, they call him. <laughs> so, uh, Shannon Baker, who still lives in Tallahassee. Uh, Kez McCorvey, my homeboy, that's in Tallahassee. Uh, Mario Edwards. I mean, I can keep going. Um, but I think as a family, that's what Florida State is. And fortunate for us, we still all stay in contact with one another. Yeah. And that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Yes. yes. Brad Johnson. I mean, he's lit go on and on. It does. And that's, that's a good thing. That's something uh, we could kind of lead into now with the current situation at Florida State. Willie Taggart's been focused on having a lot of the former Knowles come by to give advice to players. Uh, he's brought, of course, not a player, but a legend, Bobby Bowden, to come speak to them. I know he did last summer before they started practice um, in August. But he's bringing a lot of the former Knowles, like Peter Wark, over. Uh, I know Deion Sanders had a chat with them, too. Uh, but it, it's... Yeah. It, Taggart's kind of leaning towards bringing some of these studs um, and some big leaders back to give a lot of these younger Knowles advice, which I think is a big deal definitely for the team and also FSU fans. You know how Taggart wants to focus on the past uh, experience that Bobby Bowden's put them through, uh, and he's also brought Mickey Andrews on staff. But what, what, how do you feel about the yeah. current state of FSU under Willie Taggart? Do you think it is, it's has the potential lead in the right direction under him? Well, I would say this after the first year, if you look at all I could, I saw the end results. I didn't get a chance to study games and watch play by play. I was, I was kind of busy. <laughs> yeah. You know, just working on number one defense in the country. So, <laughs> uh, and, and you talk about contact. I'll, I'll be remiss. I mean, I, I just had a long conversation going back to guys you're in contact with, with uh, D. Brooks. Devin Bush and I talked for about an hour yesterday uh, about his situation. Derek Mickelson, uh, who I've who's been following me around where I go, is now a defense coordinator at Southern Mississippi. Uh, Tony Carter is trying to get into coaching. He's with me at uh, in San Antonio at the coaching convention. So, uh, I just want to make sure that people understand when you say family, we help each other, we look out for each other. And uh, back to your question, I think Florida State, what Willie has shown uh, with the talent there and just the pride uh, that the players have, it'll be, I suspect it'll be a lot better next year. And yeah, um, Coach, this is my last question for you. If the opportunity ever ever arose, would you have any aspirations to return to Tallahassee as a coach? I'm a no. I'm in the coaching business. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. I'm a coach. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good answer. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of room. Of course, uh, wide receiver coach, former wide receiver coach at Miami, Ron Dugans. There's been rumored he's been around in Tallahassee. Looking around, and he, of course, he's got a pretty close relationship with Taggart. Um, and seeing Taggart's focus and myself, mm-hmm. 
So there you go. Being in close contact with uh, former Knowles like you and Ron Dugans and other things, you know, it shows Taggart's focus, like I said earlier, about bringing on former Knowles on staff. And, of course, you know, about Mickey Andrews being on. Uh, he Before the season, uh, it was heard that Mickey Andrews would just be in the uh, box upstairs during games. But I think after game one or two, he made his way down <laughs> to the sideline. And we definitely saw him uh, chirping to the refs and of course giving some insight to the players which I think is huge nowadays you know giving uh, a coach like that a legendary coach one of the best in the game at what he did as a defensive coordinator giving some of these younger guys tips um, might not be as nice as some other coaches would give them mm-hmm. mm-hmm. how was your relationship with Mickey Andrews during your days oh coach Andrews was awesome I you know I spoke to him last week you know I, every time I come to Tallahassee um we get together. I'm actually coming through there next week, and we'll probably do breakfast, you know, doing my little recruiting up through that area. But we always get together. And you talk about the greatest defensive assistant coordinator, I think, ever, that he had a standard. And if you met that standard, you had no problem with it. If you didn't meet that standard, which was every single day you're going to have a problem Mm -hmm. and I'm the coach I am today because of the standard that coach Andrews set and I made up my mind I didn't want no parts of what he was dishing out Mm -hmm. (laughs) so in order not to get any of that stuff he was dishing out I had to meet that standard every day and and Dion set another standard as a player, and that's what Coach Andrews is going by. So, yeah, I had great examples. And playing behind Leroy Butler, who doesn't get the due and respect that I think he deserves, I mean, it. it you just got so many people setting standards around there that if you just open your eyes and put in the work, you, you wouldn't have any problems. Mm-hmm. No. There's absolute studs on Mickey Andrews' side of the ball from your years and before and after, as we all know. But now now we'll make sure to keep a tracker on you in Tallahassee. We'll keep a close eye on you. Well, I'm be blowing through there. It's one of those blow-throughs, yeah. you know, recruiting-wise. I have Florida, and I'm actually heading to South Florida to to do a little more recruitment. It's that time of the year. You know, we got to get in. We got two weeks left before that second signing period. So we're trying to make sure we uh, cover every inch, dot our I's, cross our T's, and and get this thing back. Get us, Mississippi State, in the playoffs and showing what we're doing in Starkville. That's the goal. That's right. Hell State. Hell State. (laughs) Yes, sir. Well, good luck to you with that. I definitely, we all want to congratulate you, too, on your induction into the College Football Hall of Fame. Very well-deserved, and we're extremely happy for you and very grateful to have you on our podcast to give some Noles some insight and bring back a little bit of the fun past that y'all had uh, during your times at Florida State. Well, always I appreciate it, and and I end it like this. Uh, No-blooded. That's how I'm going to end it. All right, so we're back now. That was a pretty damn good interview there with Mr. Buckley. Really appreciate him for coming on. Again, congratulations to him too on his induction into the 2019 College Football 
Hall of Fame class. And I know Fisher coming from Mississippi State and a fan. <laughs> that had to have been pretty think, awesome for you. I think he he mentioned Mississippi State's defense will be similar to the 1985 Chicago Bears defense yeah, um, yeah, for okay. next year. So a lot to look forward to here in Starkville. <laughs> Also, coming to the college football playoff 2019. That is so. true. Bold statement there by Mr. Buckley. Yep, yep. But let's get let's get to this. Kendall Bryles has been hired as the offensive coordinator for Florida State. Uh, this was a huge hire for Willie Taggart. Uh, as we know, if you look into Kendall Bryles' history as a coaching offensive coordinator, his uh, first years usually in programs uh, usually do pretty, pretty well. I'll go over a few stats here. Um, whenever he was at Baylor the year before in 2014, Florida, or Florida State, uh, Baylor went 6.3 yards per play. They ranked 19th nationally. Then when Browse took over uh, calling plays, it moved up to 7.1 yards per play, ranked first nationally. Um, and then the year after he left in Baylor, when he was gone, they moved down to 5.2 yards per play, and they moved from first nationally to 92nd nationally. A pretty good stat there. I'll move over to his Houston days. The year before Browse was there, they went 5.9 yards per play, ranked 39th nationally. And when Browse took over, he went 6.3 yards per play and ranked 12th nationally. Uh, there's a lot of other stats from his FAU days, but you kind of get the gist of what I'm trying to bring up here. So give me your first... Um, thoughts on Kendall Browse coming in to join Willie Taggart and staff in Florida State? I mean, I really do think it's a, it's a huge hire. I mean, obviously, Bryles is um, a lot more experienced as an offensive play caller and just an offensive mastermind in general than, than Walt Bell. And it, it kind of shows the maturity of Taggart. Like, he's not here to, to build himself up. He's here to build Florida State up and He's doing the he's doing the right thing by relinquishing his uh, play calling duties, you know, over over to Kendall Bryles because Kendall Bryles has showed at every stop, as you mentioned, that he will improve your offense. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm excited about this hire. I think as far as uh, as far as a coaching hire goes, I think this is the best hire you could have made, um, just as far as production on the field goes. Um, obviously it comes with a little bit of a, of, of a PR hit, um, you know, just stemming from his days with Baylor. Uh, I mean, the scandal that took place there, um, obviously we don't know the extent to what happened, uh, as far as his role, but, um, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, and it, and I think it, it goes to show you just four state needs something. Um, and something obviously, immediate, yeah. yeah, yeah. Something to, to really, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of time to waste. Uh, I think this hire could make or break Willie Taggart's career at Florida State. Um, I think there's a lot riding on this, and I think he knows it. And I think there are a lot of issues that I think Taggart needs to address separate from the offense. And so I think he needs to step into kind of the, the GM role here and um, just let Bryles take over. And um, But, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what he's done at so many places. Um, so I think, it's a, I think it's a terrific hire um, by Willie Taggart. I'll note on an article that Richard Barnes wrote for us at nolgandy.com. He wrote, Browse history as a play call, play caller speaks for itself in recent years. His Houston offense ranked 12th in the nation, averaging 6.5 yards per play. Browse oversaw the 2017 FAU Owls offense, which ranked 10th nationally, averaging 6.7 yards per play. 
As Baylor's offensive coordinator in 2015, his offense led the nation, averaging 7.1 yards per play. So Willie Taggart's definitely looking for something immediate. Uh, we'll see if that works in Tallahassee. Uh, he's gone three places, um, and it seems like if he can get it going in Tallahassee, that will be a huge help definitely for the quarterback situation, which is going to need a lot of production definitely offensive-wise. It seemed like Florida State was struggling immensely on the offensive side of things last year, um, and they need some kind of change because whatever was going on with Taggart and Walt Bell, it just wasn't working out, and we kind of saw that with Walt Bell leaving. Um, it seemed like they had a lot of turmoil near the end of the season. And so we'll hope that Florida State can kind of fix that with Kendall Browles coming in. And I think Taggart, you think Taggart's kind of taking more of a CEO role right now, Dustin, seems like? It kind of feels like he's taking more of a hands-off approach instead of just just being the play caller, which which I understand because it'll give them give them more time to look at other aspects of the team, rather than just having to focus on installing the offense and and you know calling plays and having to worry about that aspect. We'll have a lot more to talk about Kendall Browles moving forward. I'm sure we'll hear a lot about uh, his practices and what he is doing with Florida State's offense, um, and it'll be interesting to see which players are a key factor in his offense too. So we'll have a lot more to talk about that, but we definitely want to note on that since we're a little late to the conversation. Another note here is Alonzo Hampton is one of the first uh, coaches to actually be let go um, at FSU in a long while. Uh, As you know, Jimbo Fisher never fired anybody uh, at Florida State. This is a kind of a much-needed let-go situation that Willie Taggart had to do. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but Alonzo Hampton is out as Florida State special teams coach. As of right now, and this is definitely most likely temporarily, but from what I've heard, Odell Higgins is coaching the entire uh, defensive line unit. Uh, Mark Snyder is going to take over special teams duties as of right now. And like I said, it's most likely temporarily, uh, but it was pretty... Awesome to hear from Terrell Buckley on the Odell Hagen stuff from the interview about his close connection with him. They were teammates, and he was it was cool to see his support whenever Odell Hagen's went 2-0 as a head coach. Um, but yeah, that's what's going on there. Uh, most likely temporarily, we'll keep an eye on it. If we hear anything, we'll, of course, bring it up on here. Uh, another note, definitely late. Uh, we can kind of give our quick thoughts on it and move on. But as you know, DeAndre Francois announced his return uh, for the spring semester. What's your immediate thoughts on that, Dustin? Um, thanks for running James Blackman out of town. Mm. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, now, now, I mean, we wrote this. <laughs> well, see, we wrote these notes before yesterday, and so I was like, okay, he's competing with James Blackman, but now the tide has kind of turned a little bit last 24 hours, whereas DeAndre Francois might be the only one eating at the uh, meetings in the quarterback room. It's a, it's a little odd. Didn't What did you yeah. hear about him coming back that he didn't finish his degree? So what what you, were you hearing about DeAndre Francois and possibly not graduating? He needed one more class. What was up with that? 
Yeah, so there have been kind of some rumors that uh, you know Francois he was he graduated he was supposed to graduate in the fall and then and then grad transfer, and he even walked at the commencement ceremony, but the whispers have kind of been that Francois didn't complete the amount of credits he needed to in the fall. Whether that means he, you know, withdrew from a class or, or failed a class, even I mean I don't I don't want to get into speculating, you know, someone else's grades, but. People are saying he doesn't have his degree and he won't have it until after the spring semester, which, I mean, if he does get his degree after the spring semester, does that put him back in line to, to possibly grad transfer like we all expected? I mean, it's just kind of a, a time will tell thing. So you're really hoping Blackman doesn't transfer out. And then a couple months later, Francois is like, all right, we'll see you. Mm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think Man. it's a tough. It's a tough situation in at Florida State right now. <laughs> Can you imagine? We were, I mean, a couple months ago talking about Sam Howell competing for the starting job. Mm-hmm. And to have this conversation now, it's it's wild. And honestly, it's it's a little it's a little daunting that we're not even out of January yet. And we're already, you know, so much has happened. So Definitely. we'll see what's going to happen. Yeah, starting off with the most important situation. Uh, position on a football team too so not right. not fun so this is this is an ongoing story um and we'll have to keep y'all updated with what we hear uh, as you know jordan trans uh, jordan travis transferred from louisville to florida state to kind of help their depth there um he's gonna have to work to get a waiver to see if he'll have immediate uh, eligibility uh we'll keep an eye on that I will note over to some NFL stuff going on. Jameis Winston officially has a new head coach with Bruce Arians. As we know, he coached for the Arizona Cardinals. Um, He coached some studs at quarterback positions. And I think, personally for me, I'll note on it, I think this is a pretty big, big hire for the Bucs. I've never been a fan of their office and their top uh, execs up there making decisions, missing out on players that they definitely needed. And we'll note to that in the next topic. But I think this is a big hire for Jameis Winston. As we know, Jameis Winston does have the talent. I like the way that he was ending the season this year. He looked a lot more focused, not as playful. Looked very serious, um, definitely with his throws. And I think Bruce Arians, he's had a connection with Jameis Winston uh, since he was younger in Alabama. Uh, as a high school uh, stud, and I think I think this is a good hire for definitely Jameis Winston. What's your all's thoughts on it? I really I really like it because Bruce Arians runs a system that that Jameis Winston can uh, excel in, and you know he also coached Carson Palmer to to some of the best years of his career down there in Arizona. So now that now that his health is back in order. I think the the combination between Arians and Winston could be very very explosive down in Tampa Bay. I mean, you're looking at an offense that, <clears throat> if I'm if I'm not incorrect, it, they were number three in the NFL in, in total offense. So it wasn't the that unit that was hindering Tampa Bay last season. It was their it was their defense. And on that side, you bring in uh, Todd Bowles. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited about the. The kind of rebuild in Tampa Bay, and you know, I, I really there's a good chance they get in the playoffs uh, soon, if not next season. I think within two years. Yeah, I agree. I think this is an incredible hire by the Bucks. Um, 
I think this hire in hiring Bruce Arians shows their investment um, in Jameis Winston. Um, it feels like this is, you know, definitely uh, a hire that will benefit him greatly, um, just given his relationship with Bruce Arians and also just Bruce Ari- Bruce Arians, um, his track with just like, you know, ugh, can we? Uh, 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 you start. Uh, uh, Hold on. Let me note it down. What mark was that? Let me get back to okay. All right. There we go. Do I just start whenever? Yeah, you can go. I mean, you can start from the beginning if you want. Okay. Yeah, I, I love this hire by the Bucks. Um, I think it's I think it's an investment in Jameis Winston. I think the organization um, believes they can win with Jameis Winston. I think that's why they chose to hire Bruce Arians in part. Um, because of their relationship uh, there. Um, and I think Bruce Arians also believes that he can win with Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. Um, like Dustin said, I think this team is not far off from the playoffs. Um, I think, you know, obviously their offensive line is was pretty atrocious, especially towards the end of the year. Um, also, they need to bolster their defense. Um, definitely need to add some, some um, defensive depth there and, and add some players. Um, but Jameis Winston has a lot of players around him, um, that he can throw the ball to that can, that can make plays and especially including Mike Evans, who, who in my opinion is a top five receiver in the NFL. Um, and not to mention guys like Cameron Braid, OJ Howard, Adam Humphreys, um, and guys like that who really can, can make a play with the ball in their hands. So it's exciting for sure. Um, and I think it's going to work out well in Tampa. It'd be interesting to see if Arians is able to keep Deshaun Jackson there too, because he's also, yes, a, a stud at wide receiver. And I right. think it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Well, I also, I noting on Todd Bowles, I think that's a huge hire too, definitely for their front office. I think they know that it's time for to make some big moves finally, and I think that hire, definitely defensive coordinator, helps a lot. Uh, the Bucks can try to compete for a playoff berth, as we know the Saints will always hold that top spot. But Falcons went seven to nine, Panthers went seven to nine, uh, as we know the Bucks went five and eleven. So there's a lot of, of course, Bucks fans that probably are listening to this podcast. Um, definitely some that are always pulling for Jameis Winston. So you'd like to see uh, Jameis Winston to have some success because we know he does have the talent there. It's just kind of been hindered on the coaching staff there, um, not really helping with offensive line woes and definitely defensive-wise. We know the whole story there. <clears throat> Moving on to an absolute stud, most likely competing for Defensive Rookie of the Year, uh, former Florida State guy derwin james uh, i think it's official that he was the steal of the draft we can kind of go back to the bucks fans here i wonder how they feel about missing out on him as we know the bucks did need some help in the secondary what were your thoughts on his uh rookie season guys i thought he was um absolutely phenomenal and um it's kind of upsetting you know, covering Tampa Bay and, and knowing Derwin could have been there. I mean, you watch you watch their defensive backfield, and you're just like, wow, how are, how are some of these guys in the NFL? I mean, they were they literally had one of the worst uh, past def- past defenses in in NFL history, and it's got you know, obviously, yeah, yeah. Derwin wouldn't solve all those problems, but he would certainly help. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a multi a multi facet player. He can cover. He can blitz i mean he can really do it all how many times do you have a safety 
that ends up with more sacks than, than interceptions. I mean, Derwin James had three and a half sacks this year and, and three picks, mm-hmm. as well as 105 tackles. I mean, he's just all over the field. So imagine what he's going to look like in five years. Yeah, they're they're utilizing him smartly. Um, this is a hen at Charles Kelly. Derwin <laughs> yeah, Kelly. Derwin definitely had one of the most impressive years that we've seen from a rookie in the NFL in a while. Um, and it's it kind of like you alluded to, Dustin. When you drafted Derwin James, you didn't really just draft a safety. You drafted a safety. You drafted a linebacker. You drafted a defensive end. You drafted a guy that can play nearly every position on the field. Um, and it's crazy to see the ability that he has. And it's also kind of sickening to be a Florida State fan and realize that you had that guy on your on your roster for three years and um, you know didn't really utilize him like you should have. Um, and definitely to be a Bucks fan and realize that you passed up on. On him and and a guy like Dalvin Cook the year before, yeah. um, but it's exciting to see what he's doing. I think he's, I think he loves Los Angeles. I think he loves it out there. I think he um, loves playing with those guys. And man, he's gonna have a long career, and it's just gonna be fun to sit back and watch what he's able to do. Um, definitely, this definitely the steal of the draft this year for sure. We'll jump really quick now to Florida State basketball, as we know. Uh, one of the most phenomenal games I've ever been to was Florida State and Duke. Uh, Duke came in as the number one team in the country. Florida State had a heartbreaker there at the end, um, losing to a three-point play wide open three. Uh, I've never seen the Tucker Center so loud in my life. I don't know about you, Dustin. We've been to a lot of basketball games and events there, but that was possibly one of the loudest times it's ever been. Uh, but Florida State has now lost three their last four games to start conference play. They lost to Virginia, Duke, and Pittsburgh. Uh, and they won against a pretty uh, mediocre team with Miami. Uh, they're now 22-96 from the three. And it's not... It's kind of like, were we too high on this team going in? Or what's going on? I know you're the basketball guy, Dustin. Please preach to us. Well, first off, I just want to give a, a props to, to everyone that came out to the Tucker Center on Saturday because, like like you said, Logan, the the energy in that building was unlike what we normally get to see from Florida State basketball. I mean, typically you're looking at a you know a half full arena or so, and and when it's a full turnout, I mean, you can really you can really tell the difference. It was packed all the way to the back. Like it was up in the corner seats. You would look up left, up right. I mean, it was beyond packed. The student section was wild. I thought they'd been amazing since the start of the season. But awesome. the, the support is there for Florida State. But sorry, you can keep going. But, yeah, I mean, really, you know, Florida State came in with a experience-laden team, a bunch of guys that went to the Elite Eight, you know, a grad transfer point guard who's played in the NCAA tournament. And we really thought they'd ride that experience to success, and they did that during the non-conference slate. But entering ACC play, it just it feels like the guards have, have been absolutely cold through these uh, four games so far. Like you said a couple minutes ago, Florida State, 22 out of 96 from three-point range in ACC play, which equals out to uh, about 23%. So basically they've just gone ice cold from behind the arc. They're – not getting much production inside except for that of uh, Kevin Gelly and, and Phil Kofer. So when you have so many athletic guards on, on your roster, 
eventually some of them need to start hitting some shots. Mm. And you've got the guys like Terrence Mann and Trent Forrest who hesitate on wide open threes, and that just takes away from from the flow of the offense. I mean, defenders defenders won't even step out there to uh, respect them because they know they're not going to shoot. I mean, these teams are watching film. They they know the keys to to each player, like just like we know the keys to them. You think this is all on Leonard Hamilton? No, because Leonard Hamilton can't make a three point shot. Florida State has missed so many wide open threes. Like they're not taking bad shots; they're getting good but, shots. I mean, they just noting can't make back them. though to that Duke game, seeing both sides go at it one hundred and ten percent is promising on my in my opinion to see Florida State be able to compete with an extremely talented Duke team uh, definitely going against uh, Zion Williamson it seemed like Florida State found a way I mean and we know he didn't play in the second half at all but they were figuring out a way to be able to stop him they were playing as physical as they could uh, and it just turned out to be a very bad heart, heartbreaker at the end. But as we know, that a lot of effort went into the, both of those games. We saw Duke lose at home to Syracuse, Syracuse too. Um, <coughs> I don't think it's over, over for Florida State whatsoever. Florida State's going to face uh, Boston College uh, on the 20th. They'll have be able to get some rest now, and then they'll play Clemson at home. And they'll move on Miami, Georgia Tech, and Syracuse. So I think it's not over whatsoever for them, in my opinion. Uh, it's just good to see their effort towards a very talented But I want to go ahead team. and move on to Andrew Baselli, former Noel that is currently trying to walk on back at Florida State, Dustin. Yeah, um, the, it, just, it just recently surfaced um, early, early this week that former FSU offensive lineman Andrew Baselli was trying to rejoin the team through a, a walk-on tryout that was held during the, the first week of classes. So basically the, the staff held a prospective workout for um, students going to Florida State to, to come try out. And then, you know, depending on how some of those players did, they'd invite them to, to walk onto the team. Speaking on Baselli, he left the team in February for kind of undisclosed reasons. Uh, he didn't he didn't play football football this season, but it seems like maybe maybe he's got his passion back for the game, and you know he wants to he wants to come back, walk onto the team. I've also read some other things that he's put his name into the the transfer portal now, just to kind of explore all of his options. But if he does come back to Florida Florida State's football team, which which I do think is a a real possibility at this point it would he'd already have some familiarity with some of the guys on the roster the the coaching staff as well and i really do think it could end up being a a nice story for both florida state and for but baselli let's move on to a big segment here that we like to talk about overreaction or accurate we'll hit them really quickly um overreaction or accurate leonard hamilton's team is overrated this season I'll give that all to you, Dustin, to start off. Well, you're not going to like it because mm. uh, at this point of the season, I'm going to say Florida State or Leonard Hamilton's team is uh, definitely overrated. I mean, maybe we maybe we overstated how much of how much that veteran factor really plays into things because I mean we've seen Florida State go onto the road multiple times this season. 
And, you know, even though they won, thinking back uh, to to Lane and non-conference play, they really they really played down to their, their competition on the road. I mean, Virginia handled them easily. Pittsburgh in the second half really, really began to pull away behind that crowd. It seems like whenever Florida State plays away from Tallahassee, it's just a, a Jekyll and Hyde type type performance. I mean, the perfect example is, is this past weekend. You get Duke on Saturday, lose lose the game with three seconds left, and then you go to, to Pittsburgh and they shoot 50 free throws and, uh, you know, beat you by double digits. So this Florida State team, they've, they've got to pull through in, in situations like that, especially when you have this much experience – and so much on the line this season. I mean, you're talking about what should be one of the best teams in, in Florida State basketball history, and they've got to turn it around quickly if they want to prove that they can be that. Uh, yeah, I, a lot of good points there, Dustin. I'm actually going to go overreaction though. Um, I don't think that we've seen. It. I don't think we've seen this team really play to their full potential. Um, although I agree with you, I think when they're on the road, I think they get away from their identity and who they are. Um, Right now they're thirteen and four, eight and one at home, one and two on the road. They're one and three in ACC play. However, two of those games are against the number one and the number four ranked teams in the country. So um, you have to imagine that the ACC slate is going to get a little bit more forgiving um, as you as you get through it now. And it, and it felt like that Pittsburgh loss was a hangover loss, really, from Duke. And I agree. You know, there's just a lot of mistakes in that game. Um, it really, really played poorly. Um, but I think Florida State is going to need to play Florida State basketball in and out no matter who the opponent is. I think they need to worry more about who they are and what they are doing than what than what the opponent's doing. And I think if uh, the Florida State fans can um, bring that same energy, I think it's going to help this team out tremendously um, down the stretch. But I think this team can be as good as they want to be. I think they have uh, all the potential in the world. It's just a matter of, you know, can they do it? Can they hit shots? Can they... You know, Trent Forrest went down and, and missed an easy layup. I mean, it's just it's those mistakes that are going to kill you. But when you have a guy like Fiondo Cavangeli coming off the bench, I mean, that's that's a good thing. So this team has all the potential. It's just a matter of putting it together. Um, and I th- I think you're going to see them really, um, really start start to turn it on here in the second half of the season. Yeah, like a banding together type thing. Yeah, it was a rough start for them going against some really good teams too. Uh, let's start off, too, now with a reaction accurate. Let's move over to the NFL. Jameis Winston will have his best season yet in 2019 and lead the Bucks to the playoffs under new head coach Bruce Arians. Who wants to take that one first, a reaction or accurate? Uh, I don't mind taking it. Uh, I'm actually going to split it up. I think Jameis Winston will have his best season yet in 2019. I think that's accurate. However, I think that uh, the Bucks making the playoffs this year maybe is a bit of an overreaction. Uh, just considering um, how far you are behind, especially just in your division alone, you know the Saints were number number one overall seed, and so um, you're not catching them anytime soon. Um, they really got to rebuild this offensive line. There's a lot of of places that they need to to um, address on the defense side of the ball as well. Um, so I think you're still maybe a couple of years out from making the playoffs. However, I do think this team can score a lot of points. I think James Winston. He's going to have a great year um, in 2019. Yeah, Fisher uh, pretty much nailed it right there. Um, I, I think Florida, I, 
not Florida State. I think Jameis Winston is going to excel under the the guidership of uh, Bruce Arians and and the offensive style he likes to run. I mean, they're really they're going to air it out in Tampa Bay. I think Jameis Winston he's going to close in, maybe even surpass uh, forty touchdown passes uh, next season. So we'll see, but. At the same time, I'm not sure if those fireworks are going to be quiet enough to get Tampa Bay into the playoffs. I mean, the NFC is going to be still re- going to be ridiculously tough um, next season, and it's going to take a heck of an effort from the Bucks upgrading their defense and, like Fisher noted as well, some of the, some of that offensive line. I mean, it, the Bucks have got to figure out what they want to do at the tackle spot because they've got to either pay 20 million to a, a mediocre left tackle or, or find a new one real quick. Fire the cannons. <laughs> yep. Bucks. You're going to see the red zone a lot. <clears throat> and the last, but definitely not the least, Willie Taggart's job is on the line in 2019. Overreaction or accurate? Just a beautiful January piece here. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna say accurate here, especially with, with uh, what we've seen transpire recently, namely... James Blackman potentially transferring away from the program. I think it is putting a huge seed of doubt that was already there for, for a lot of fans after the way this season went. And now you're seeing a, a fan favorite, you know, the backup quarterbacks, usually the most loved quarterback on uh, every football team. So you're seeing a, a fan favorite potentially transfer a guy that a lot of people thought would sort of be the future of uh, Florida State's quarterbacks, and um, you know, without without him here, and if if Florida State has has a bad season, they don't make a bowl game. It's it's getting tough for me to see Taggart staying around, especially with let's okay. So if Blackman does transfer, Florida State's quarterback depth for the next couple seasons is, is shot because you're going to have Jordan Travis come in and start after Francois. I'm not sure if a guy like that will be ready to go in a year. Yeah, uh, I think I agree with Dustin. I think it's accurate. And obviously this is not the conversation you want to be having after one year into Willie Taggart's tenure in Tallahassee. Um, however, it's it's anytime you go 5-7 and seven at Florida State, I think your job's on the line. Um, and I think, it, I think if you don't see this team make a bowl next year, um, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people who are going to make want to make a change. Um, and obviously this Blackman news really shakes things up a little bit too, losing – like Dustin said, really the the future of your program, kind of where everyone thought, you know, this team was headed in, in that direction of being led by by James Blackman. And so, I think you're going to have to uh, one definitely make a bowl, um, but really just see real progression in 2019. I think the idea that Taggart inherited Jimbo's mess is sort of, I think it's over. I think people are sick of that narrative, and I think you know people all agree this is this is Taggart's team now. Um, and so it's, it's on him to turn this around, and I definitely think his job's on the line, especially if this team is unable to make a bowl for the second year in a row. I got one for you, one more for you guys off the top of my head. Overreaction or accurate, James Blackman is the most important player to Florida State's future right now. Accurate on my side of things as being the biggest leader, and I've seen that at least high school-wise and going through sports. Having a huge leader on your team helps in a lot of ways, definitely on-field, 
but off field too as there's a lot of distractions in college and for what I'm heard on the inside he's definitely a huge teammate with keeping guys closely connected so I'd go um, accurate there definitely accurate um, this is a guy that you know players on social media have called my quarterback and a guy that we've seen countless times lift up Don, DeAndre Francois on the sideline this is a guy that Florida State needs um, in their program um, you know, and obviously he has a lot of potential too. Not even just his leadership skills is, is what he brings to the table, but this guy has um, a lot of of potential, a lot of talent. Um, so I think losing him uh, really sets you back. Um, so I think it's accurate. Well, I think that will do it for this uh, our first 2019 pod of the year. Uh, that will. The next one will be a little bit smoother. We'll have more current topics. We just kind of want to note back on some things that we missed. Uh, We're going to try to do these podcasts now every week, if not a maximum of every two weeks. Uh, We are now on Spotify, and I hope you guys can use that. We are also on Google Play, SoundCloud, and, of course, iTunes. If you're on iTunes, feel free to give us a rating. Uh, Five stars always helps. Um, and definitely want to thank Terrell Buckley for coming on here. Again, congratulations to him on his induction into the 2019 College Football Hall of Fame class. Phenomenal interview. Uh, we'll, be got, we'll be back with you guys next week, hopefully, and we'll be noting on a lot, uh, most likely, because I feel like a lot of these stories are definitely not finished being written. So, as always, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>